0: Welcome to the Blue Dot Podcast. Please join us as we discuss what's happening in Harrison County, Indiana.
1: Hey, Harrison County, I'm Elmer Ramos. And I'm Graylin Porter, and you're listening to the Blue Dot Podcast. And welcome to the Blue Dot Podcast, episode 39 today. And today, co-hosting with me is Alex Porter. He's back.
0: Hello, Graylin. Thanks for having me back on.
1: (laughs) It's great. It's great to have you yeah. back. Um, I didn't
0: scare anybody away.
1: No. So I'm back. No, actually. And, you know, I think this is, you know, we want to give big thank you to Shane Snelling and Carrie Ketterman out there, but that traffic episode has a ton of listens on it.
0: Yeah.
2: Compared and, to yeah. other
1: episodes. We've got a lot of people listening to that episode still.
0: It was an item. And, uh, you know, I admit I was a little kind of eye opened by it. If that's a mm-hmm. word you can use. Yeah, uh, Totally you know, I learned a lot. I mm-hmm. kind of went in, I wouldn't say I was a skeptic, but I kind of <laughs> had that old vibe of, well, you live on a busy mm-hmm. road. Sorry about your luck."
1: Yeah. And
0: yeah. Uh, no, after the call, I think there really is an issue there. So yeah. 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 People really care getting some traction.
1: Yeah. And um, this Tuesday, so this comes out on Sunday and uh, Tuesday, the 16th, uh, according to town council, I saw on the agenda that there is um new, stop sign proposals on maple and high street downtown. So, Ooh. you know, maybe there's some traction there, uh, with, with, with what we're trying to do. So that's good. Yeah.
0: You know, I, I, I know it's kind of a mixed bag to have to start adding a bunch of stop signs because it kind of makes you have to stop and go, but, mm-hmm. uh, I'm all for them. You know, we, yeah. they put one up where we live on Ridley and,
1: and it's Cook been street. awesome. And, yeah. you know,
0: honestly, I was a bit of a skeptic on that one. And, mm-hmm. uh, it's really, really nice. I mean, well, We're biased because we live on that corner, (laughs) but uh, it's pretty nice. I would not have, you know, we cross that street all the time with all of our four and five-year-olds. That would have been very different without the four-way.
1: Very Uh, different. Very (laughs) different. Yeah. I mean, we, we like have to, I can think about
0: people flying through there without that four-way.
1: I mean, it's, it's scary enough with the four-way. It's scary enough with the four-way because you're not sure if people are going to stop or not. So you just have to kind of wait and see if they slow down.
0: Bottom line. Yeah. The stop signs help.
1: Yeah, it'll help slow people
0: down. It'll help pedestrians cross streets. It's all yeah. good.
1: So we'll probably, um, you know, we're gonna go to that meeting and record that meeting. So we'll uh, we'll let you all know. Anyway, uh, today we are going to just touch on some local news real quick, and then we've got a very uh, interesting discussion. Um, just me with Jim Hayes, um, our historian, is back for a history lesson on the floods of Corydon. Amazing. Yeah, and it's a great discussion. And so that'll be up after news and then we'll be back with recommendations. Yeah, sounds great. Yep, awesome. Okay. We're back with some, you know, we have three things. We're going to talk about some local stuff, um, variety of stuff today. Uh, first thing we're going to talk about is North Harrison's community school corporation. Um, we haven't really, you know, ever talked about North Harrison schools or, um, what they're up to. And yeah. And, and I, I, sorry. Very
0: important. No, just, Mm -hmm. I was going to mention, you know, you know, North Harrison is just a massive hub, of mm-hmm. the county yeah and, you know you know we sit here in downtown corridor and mm-hmm. you know i think people in corridor you know have heard advisors on all the time but yeah but in terms of the county as a whole north harrison yeah is just a huge hub
1: yeah it's such a you know kind of a sub suburb it's more a suburb of the city than we are here in corridor sure. i believe and um you know yeah, I'm really glad you said that because we tend to be laser focused on Corydon. And, um, you know, that's something that we want to get away from as we keep going. Um, but, but, um, friend of the pod, Ashley Black and Jordan Black, uh, he ran for school board in North Harrison a couple years ago, have been kind of advocating for a change to the dress code at North Harrison um and you know in the high school in the middle school and sure. and they've been kind of keeping me updated and I noticed it was on the agenda for Thursday's meeting so I went to that meeting and it was just it was so inspiring I left that meeting just wow really impressed yeah. with the students there were so many students there I mean um, that's a lot yeah to go
0: to a meeting and to be vocal yeah, and to yeah talk about what's you know, bothering them or the issues they have.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, uh, we have a video of Ashley Black's opening statement, um, on the website and on Facebook and everything. And basically, you know, they're just pointing out that it's, you know, 99% girls that are getting dress coded for things that, you know, it just don't make any sense. Shoulders, like right. they're not even allowed to wear sleeveless shirts. Um, and it's just, yeah. it's really kind of gross.
0: Yeah, not yeah. even allowed to wear sleeveless shirts. And it, it, keep in mind, you know, this may be very well the, the truth. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, someone feel free to, to point me in the wrong direction. But like off the top of my head, are you telling me like there's not like boys mm-hmm. going to high school in like, you know, a sleeveless running shirt? Yeah. Maybe they're not. Maybe they Maybe they get stopped. I shouldn't say. But like yeah. I just my red flags go up. You yeah, know?
1: I have a hard time believing. Seems that, like a double standard. Yeah, yeah, and and so they had parents got up and spoke, um, students, former students, and um, I just want to give a shout out to the students that that spoke up, and hopefully Ashley can maybe send this episode their way if they don't know we exist. But they were so brave to get up there and talk about their body, and mm. um, you know how a bigger body or a curvier body. Um, or more developed body is getting uh, dress coded more than, you know, a different kind of Crazy. body. And I just, I can't imagine doing that when I was 17 years old in front of the school board and all these other people and knowing it was recorded and knowing it was going to be put on social media. Like I just was incredibly impressed by these yeah. these students and well, I highly recommend going and checking out our post. Um, it's just really it was really awesome.
0: Well, and that's a generational thing. You know, this younger generation, exactly. generation Z and under, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're all about wellness mm-hmm. and and self-care and mm-hmm. they don't have a problem talking no. about this stuff. No, they just so, don't. So,
1: um one so one person them. that spoke up, you know, I thought was really really awesome. She said, you know, the this dress code is just enforced because it's very distracting is what everyone keeps saying but I find that the only people distracted by our clothing are the adults in this building Ooh. and I thought that was really interesting kind of a mic
0: drop moment yeah,
1: yeah I mean you know and that's true like what is distracting for a, a student like would a student of any sex consider clothing distracting I just don't By that i you know what is the definition of distraction
0: well it's vague and and i will say you know i'll throw a little other side i kind of believe in a dress code i mean you you know there yeah there there should be appropriate attire Mm -hmm. at a school or a workplace for that matter yeah but you know i was looking over the code and there's just too much i just think it needs to be better there's too much Info that's just wide open. You it's know? very
1: vague, like wild Especially, hair, wild yeah, like hair.
0: Like point yeah. fifteen on their list of points. Yeah, you know, that well, it has the mention of you no know, wild hair. Well, I mean, what the hell does that mean?
1: Yeah, what is the definition it, of and wild? And it also
0: says no hair in the eyes, and I'm kind of like, well, I mean, like what, like? <laughs> How I mean, does that no work? hair in the eyes. How's that work? And so, yeah. but the biggest thing with that is when you have a point like that. It can give someone too much power to just kind of go in and
1: mm-hmm. you know, yeah say yeah. what they want to say. And, and um, you know, it's important to note that the the school board was actually very receptive, and they are planning to change oh, yeah. the dress code. So Good. you know, Good. um, they they did they said it wouldn't happen this year, which I find that kind of odd. Like it's you know you could change it this year if you, you really wanted it. to, yeah. but but um, but that's okay. You know, they they did say they hear you. They were incredibly gracious to the students and receptive and um it was great
0: just needs to be rewritten and it needs to just be a little bit more on point like like even point four now i'm a guy so i don't know maybe you tell me if i'm wrong but you know Mm -hmm. it says don't expose any cleavage and i'm like well i mean is that possible to the student's point for a certain body type i mean yeah
1: it's like it's your body i mean that would mean for certain body types that would mean you couldn't wear anything but a crew neck high neck right like, is so this is that fair is i that don't fair? think so yeah
0: i don't think it really
1: is so it, it, if you're going to enforce something like that you have to admit that you're enforcing it on a certain kind of body right i mean because right. cleavage is you know only on certain types of bodies so that 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 rule by definition is discriminatory against a certain body type Um, and you're saying that this body type is distracting. It's not the clothing. It's this body. It just um, needs to be rewritten. Yeah. And it just needs to be redone. So, I mean, I'm excited. We're going to keep tabs on it. And, um, I really want to thank Ashley Black for, you know, uh, doing what she's doing and, and, you know, letting us know so we could be there and I'm really glad we went. So it was great.
0: Great work. And didn't they also mention maybe Corydon has a dress code. That people so, like
1: Corey apparently read or South Harrison schools. I should say redid okay. their um, dress code recently and they um, all the parents I spoke to at the meeting said it's amazing and it should be used as a model for the new one at North Harrison.
0: Well, just copy paste it. Hey,
1: (laughs) (laughs) there you go. Save yourself some trouble. Yeah. Save yourself some trouble. Um, Okay. So the next thing um, we want to just touch on is uh, playgrounds again. Um, There was a a county council meeting last week where Kyle Nix was not at the meeting where they voted for Mm -hmm. the money. And so he was at this meeting and basically they voted to, um, you know, go back to the beginning essentially and ask for the money again out of riverboat versus American Rescue Plan. Mm. So so that, you know, the project is not delayed. The project itself is not delayed. The funding uh, is delayed because you have to go back to the beginning and ask for it again. Now it's definitely going to be funded. So that's good. Yeah. So it's not like it's going to lose any funding. They're just simply saying, we want to take it out of riverboat. Versus um, American Rescue Plan because it's going to be a nightmare to audit. Nightmare
0: is the to audit. Okay, mm-hmm. so they're just changing the bucket.
1: Yeah, just changing just the bucket. It's audit. all the same money, but it's it's just changing what it comes out of on paper. Got it. Um, and so the only reason we find this somewhat notable is that there was a quote from that I found from the July 25th meeting where they voted on the money from Holly Castetter, County Council uh, mm-hmm. member. Where she said, right before she voted, she said, this is American Rescue Act money. This isn't tax dollars. This is not out of County General or Riverboat. Otherwise, I would definitely say no to this.
0: Interesting. So,
1: you know, I'll I'll just be interested to see what she says when it comes back around and it is out of Riverboat. But, you know... it is the same, like you're spending the money regardless like, so you're spending this money, you're spending that money. It's all semantics at this point. I
0: mean, it's theoretically all tax dollars.
1: It's all tax dollars. Like American rescue plan is tax dollars. Like, I'm sorry, but
0: yeah.
1: uh, So that that's just kind of odd. And I thought we should point that out because you know, that was the reason she voted yes on it. And now it's not that. So I think it's just something to keep an eye on.
0: Yeah. Keep an eye on it. And, you know, Mm -hmm. It's great to hear that it hasn't delayed the project. Oh yeah. I mean but, but to keep an eye on it cuz I you know this stuff can it could. Mm-hmm. Um, just want to keep an eye on it because we all we all want our playgrounds.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so that's about it on that. Okay. And then the last thing is Boys and Girls Club of Harrison and Crawford County. They have made a couple presentations at commissioner and council meetings lately. They're asking for 50,000 just to basically keep them up and running. Wow. Um, They are under so much pressure. They are doing so much. um, And they just don't have the money they need to operate.
0: And that's an important place, what they're doing.
1: Very, very important. Kids going
0: there after after school and
1: before school and you before know?
0: okay before yeah. school mentoring and so
1: i know um, they've had to like uh possibly i think it was at Corydon elementary um you know either suspend or delay or maybe even cancel a, an early morning program because they couldn't find staff uh, and so so the the 50,000 is to increase pay um so that they can be competitive when hiring
0: That seems like a no-brainer to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially if you go to their facility, like it's an amazing place. It's relatively Mm -hmm. new. Mm -hmm. Um, It's such a great environment. It's right next to the Y. Like, yeah, Yeah. that that needs to be funded. I think we highlighted and you highlighted in the story, but it's pretty eye-opening that, you know, they receive, I think, $150,000 annually.
1: And they always have. Yeah, And they
0: always have. That has not changed. Mm -hmm. Um, But in like 2013, they were serving an average of 40 kids a day. Yeah. And now it's 300 kids a day with the same funding. I mean, that
1: that's crazy. That's
0: impossible. Like I don't understand that.
1: So they're basically busting their butt and they need help. And so I, I, I really hope that the council, you know, obviously approves that, but, um, I do encourage anybody out there listening that if you feel passionate about the boys and girls club to go to their website and maybe donate or, or ask them what they need. And, um, we'll put the link to the show notes there great. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's it for today. Um we're going to get into our interview with Jim, I think.
0: We're going to talk water.
1: Talk water. It's uh <laughs> it's a great, you know, Jim he ha- he comes with an outline and he's ready and I I told him afterwards when we stopped recording that I actually enjoyed it way more than I thought it would. So, it's very right. it's very, it's a yeah. cool it's a cool discussion. You know, this town is just interesting because it's placed at the convergence of two creeks. You know, yeah.
0: Water's everything. Water's everything. It's the reason Louisville exists. Water. mm -hmm. Uh, Exactly. I sound like a dork, but but, like, well,
1: when you hear the interview later, you won't think that because that's exactly how Jim opens up the subject. He's like water, (laughs) you know? So,
0: Yeah, we need it to live.
1: It's important, uh,
0: you know, uh, but it also creates a little bit of havoc.
1: And you know what? It might come up again in our recommendations. Okay, it may. May. Okay. If you love getting local updates from the Blue Dot, consider making a donation by visiting blue.hc.com slash donate. Blue Dot is made up entirely of volunteers and all donations go towards reaching out into the community and bring you the information you deserve. Any contributions will make a significant impact. Please visit blue.hc.com slash donate to make your contributions. Thank you so much. And we are back. We are here with Jim Hayes, our resident historian. Hi, Jim.
3: Hi, Graylin. (laughs) Pleasure to be here.
1: We're so glad to have you back. I've been waiting, uh, you know, with bated breath to have you back and you know, I can't remember if this was your idea or my idea, but I am so happy that you're here to talk about the floods of Corydon
3: Well, um, yeah, I think it was actually I think it was your idea. Yeah. And, and <laughs> when I when I when you mentioned it, I thought, well, that's a pretty good subject because there's a lot there, um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's kind of like talking about drought in the West, yeah. Uh, flood in this part of the country. Was a uh, and is a big thing.
1: Yeah. And it's something that, you know, I live downtown and I live very close to the slab bridge on Mulberry. And, you know, we get a kick out of when it's flooded that Ridley becomes a thoroughfare for Tyson trucks and downtown traffic. And, you know, we're kind of just always talking about the creek and if it's high, if it's low, why that is. Like this morning, I was on a run with Alex and the creek was so high over by um, the trail, you know, um, going towards the post office, crossing that bridge there. Um, it was just so high and we had no rain last night, but apparently there was a huge amount of rain just in Georgetown. So I'm assuming that would be the reason the creek was high from that rain in Georgetown, you know, and just kind of always talking about the level of the creek and
3: that's exactly right, and and you uh, well, this is a good way to start because yeah, uh, um, uh, yeah uh, it, it rains some places and other places it doesn't.
2: Mm-hmm. And, yeah, really. Uh,
3: <laughs> and and sometimes it rains a lot, and sometimes it doesn't rain very much. Mm-hmm. And um, well, of course, uh, humans um, human survival on the planet depends entirely on water. You know, two yes. thirds. Of, of the planet is water, and human civilization has always, by necessity, had to be located uh, near or on water. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh,
3: Water is useful for transportation. Water, uh, for centuries, uh, provided uh, the power necessary to operate uh, machinery, and um, water provides, um, uh, well, not just transportation, but in this country, for example, we're very, very accustomed to the idea that bodies of water, uh, streams and lakes and so forth, are boundaries of land. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, we, we um, and, and uh, m- much of this would be quite mysterious to the Native Americans.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, my, uh, my sense is, is that I've gotten older, of course, the United States has become more and more uh, urbanized. Mm -hmm. And, um, and my sense is, is that people who know nothing but an urban life view water, especially rainfall as an inconvenience. And, 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 and of course it it is, it is essential to their life. Well,
1: that's really funny that you say that um, because recently I saw something on the internet. It was a meme video, if you will, (laughs) um, that was, you know, kind of. Putting themselves in the role of if an alien came down to our planet and you know you told them we need this substance in order to survive, um, it's called water, um, and then you told them and we're pissed off when it rains.
3: Yeah, exactly, and 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 you, you know I mean uh, these kids today on that are on TV, uh, TV uh-huh. is full of children, um, okay. uh, giving the weather and the news yes. and 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 offering punditry. <laughs> on subjects, which, uh, you know, most of us of my age, um, uh, know far more about than they do because. Sure. They weren't even born when these things happened. Yes. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, Thursday, you can tell uh, the TV weather person on Thursday in an urban place Mm -hmm. uh, is either consoling or rejoicing with their population about whether or not there will be rain this weekend. Right. Uh, Right. And of course, uh, uh, uh eventually someday uh maybe and i doubt that it you know i just doubt it'll turn out this way that that people will become uh concerned about climate change mm-hmm. and will be concerned about water and will care about these issues uh before the end is upon us
2: mm-hmm. but
3: um uh the, the the settlement of North America, and particularly the settlement of this area, uh, where we have the Ohio River and we have the Mississippi River, and uh, of course the Ohio River
1: mm-hmm. was the
3: boundary. Uh, I yeah. mentioned water could be bound. Ohio River was the boundary, and for us, it was the boundary of the Virginia Colony, which part of the Virginia Colony became Kentucky.
1: Okay, and
3: then the north of the river was the Northwest Territory, and. Um, and, and the state of Indiana was carved out of the Northwest Territory. So, so the Ohio River is central to our lives. And um, the, of course, the first thing was transportation. Um, people came down the Ohio River, and this area was settled, and people used rivers for transportation uh, all, all over America. And some times of year that was convenient, and other times of year when raging floods were occurring on, the, on these <laughs> rivers, uh, that was not convenient. Not and great. So, so we didn't we didn't travel. Um, the falls of the Ohio River at Louisville. How yeah. many of your listeners have ever been to the Falls of the Ohio State Park? I think you a lot. Go. Yeah. And imagine what the river was like before that big dam and that lock system over on the Kentucky side of the river was built there think about the ohio river and the fact that when water was low that was where you could go across the river mm-hmm. that's where the buffalo went across the river mm-hmm. and they came across the river from kentucky and they went from there to what has now been sands and that was a buffalo trace which became u.s highway 150 but there you go but the but when the water was high uh then the falls of the, of the river were definitely an impediment to transportation and everything else and you couldn't get to new orleans uh, because of that, because of that falls, Mm
2: -hmm.
3: um, settlement began, of course, in North America near the coastlines, because water was transportation. Right. And, um, and eventually, uh, we got to the point, particularly in the settlement of this area, uh, and, and other places too, where, uh, water proximity to water, there was plenty of water we could for drinking, Mm -hmm. Uh, this was not true in the West, but 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 here when people were coming down the river and deciding where to put towns and where to settle, um, drinking was not really that big a problem. You could always find a spring or a creek or someplace to drink out of. So proximity to the Ohio River was sometimes a good thing, but often a bad thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And when people were coming down the river, they would stop and get off the boat and realize if they didn't, I mean if, if they would talk to other other people mm-hmm. who were already there uh, and realize that maybe uh, first of all the river does flood. They, they knew <laughs> that, but secondly, the um, the the desirability was was decreased by the the incidence of disease. There mm. were lots and lots of of epidemic situations and disease situations associated with water and associated with being near low Mm -hmm. places along the Ohio and along creeks like that and everything where people didn't want to settle. Mm -hmm. They they walked up, they they went up into the, the what is now Harrison County and carved out farms from the forest rather than starting their farms on that lovely river bottom land uh, down on the river And so, you know, Kent Yeager's family
1: decided, Mm -hmm. no,
3: we're not going to go up in the woods. We're going to stay right here, Mm -hmm. even if there's a chance of getting sick from some virus-borne illness. Now, later on, let me point out, later on, say in the 19th century, another element of undesirability came into play with water, and that was that the traffic on Mm -hmm. the river, on the Ohio River, uh, became so intense that um, uh, many people... Uh, viewed the sort of people who were involved in that traffic as being undesirable.
1: Right. Um,
3: Families did not want to raise their children around those people whose job it was to go up and down the river.
2: Right. Uh, uh,
3: For point of reference, just imagine raising your two lovely children today solely within the confines of a truck stop. Mm -hmm. Okay. You probably wouldn't want to do that. You never
1: know. I mean, hey.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's Simon, kind of interesting yeah.
1: Simon, Simon would, would get a have fun camping. for a couple
3: of days but after that you know there, there yeah. would be some undesirable so, Simon's like so, sign me up <laughs> we gotta get away from water we gotta get away yeah. from the water but not, so, but not too far
1: but not too so, far away
3: yeah now i i wonder uh let's let's just stick with this area okay. how many early settlers in Harrison? in what became Harrison County Indiana how many early settlers actually talked to the Indian tribes about about uh,
1: this? I would say maybe
3: zero probably not much probably not much <laughs> they and didn't think they were so, uh, you know worth for some it. reason <laughs> yeah they decided to put a town near uh the junction of two creeks in a yes. in a low place yes and why was that why uh, was that it trans- was not a transportation issue
1: just because they thought it was a nice place
3: <laughs> well maybe but but uh so it was not a transportation issue more importantly it was a water power issue one of the first first things that was done here there was a major mill constructed um downstream from the junction of the two creeks Mm -hmm. down where the where the creek takes a hard left turn at at pilot knob on hazewood nature reserve and goes around that corner there was a big mill there okay there was enough water coming down the creek to power that mill and so using water power was important where where was the source of drinking water okay mm-hmm. uh, early histories indicate that the earliest settlers of white people um uh, found uh, the source of drinking water to be the spring which is to this day running freely over out of the side of the hill on the southwest corner of the fairgrounds if you've not been oh, over there yeah over there and look and see where that spring comes out of that hill, yeah, and because that was a plentiful, a constant supply of drinking water that fueled the settlement. that that was, mm-hmm. that was probably as much as anything water related the um, the origin of the town of Corridon. Now, cool. that, that that spring drains the the Binkley Cave System. Mm -hmm. you could you could go out to any of the sinkholes on my place here yeah throw some dye in the sinkhole and then run down to the fairgrounds and wait yeah wait until that water you know comes colored water starts coming out of the hill okay Okay? cool um so if you haven't seen that go over there
1: okay Uh, well i've seen it i've seen it yeah
3: yeah, go up close. But I mean any mm-hmm. of your listeners who haven't yes. who have been over there and 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 keep that keep that uh, spring in mind because we're, okay. gonna to okay. we're gonna
1: get back to that. Okay. we get back to
3: that later. Um, the um, now you mentioned that um, you saw water this morning coming down Big Indian Creek.
1: Yes, but not so
3: much little Indian Creek. No. Okay. Now why that's, is that? Well that that's because uh, both of these creeks, by the way. It rains so much in Indiana. Both of these creeks don't really occupy huge watershed areas. The upstream portion, uh, the, the, water that, the, the land that is drained by these two creeks is really not all that big. Mm-hmm. But as we know, thunderstorms often can be both intense and very localized. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you can have a whole bunch of rain in one place and not so much anywhere else. Yeah. And oftentimes that phenomena can contribute to a flood Mm -hmm. okay uh nice steady rains over the whole area flow out evenly and you don't have flood you just have you know the creek goes up a little bit and the maybe the slab bridge is covered maybe it's not so you get tyson trucks past your house (laughs) but but it's gone the next day okay yeah Yeah. so uh think about Corydon without the bridges Okay. Just take away all the bridges. Okay. And why would you put it, you know, what was, what was having a town here like? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, without the bridges and with normal rainfall and normal peaks and valleys of, of, of high water in the creeks and low water in the creeks, both of the creeks are eminently passable mm-hmm. in periods of low water.
2: Right. People
3: people could have driven right across them with their horses and wagons and stuff and it was no problem. So right. fording fording the creeks was
1: not a big deal. Was not an yeah. issue.
3: But so bridges were built for for periods when you couldn't ford the creek. And earliest history of Cordon indicates that bridges started happening pretty quickly. Really. Okay. Not here. They they got tired of having to wait for low water to go across and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, do something else and so the town developed Um, with bridges rudimentary as they were uh, from the start. Now, it's very, very common in the Northwest Territory and any place else that towns spring up alongside creeks or in this case, junctions of creeks where two creeks come together. Um, And again, not so much transportation issues as water power issues. But, um, and then you throw in the development of roads and then more importantly later on in the 19th century railroads mm-hmm. where a railroad crosses a creek you know a lot of opportunity to have a town
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh
3: you know a lot of opportunity for commerce to flow and so on and so so this is often the reason why there would be a town next to a creek now think about how much a corridor is flat ground down on the creek bottom and how quickly you start driving up hills.
1: Yes, it's in a Even little valley. Yeah, I mean, yeah.
3: it's not a big place. No. <laughs> right away, you're headed uphill. when yeah. You're getting, getting away from the creeks.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is what we talked about with Shane Snelling with the traffic is that, you know, if you're coming down North Capitol, you're coming down a hill into town.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and of course, um, in, in the in in the development of the town was all about where people wanted to be and what real estate was valued at and you know laying out the, the building sites on hillsides and things was a little more problematic than getting a nice prime lot along chestnut street that was nice and flat that right. you build your house in, in. but right. you notice there's only one street going out of corydon that's flat yes to the east
1: yes that's it you yeah
3: know. yeah i mean uh, now it, once you had the south bridge and the west bridge then you get you get a little bit more sort of flat there. Ridley is respected, uh, you know, almost. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's talk about, um, why does Cordon flood? Well, again, it's, um, it's got creeks everywhere. Certain, certain, certain perfect (laughs) circumstances happen. Yeah. Um, big, big rainfall quickly. Um, and, um, big rain and and as you've noticed this morning big rainfall for one of the creeks but not for the other one Mm -hmm. so ironically when when we have the situation like we have this morning where the big rainfall is in big indian creek and the little rainfall is up around lanesville and Mm -hmm. and along in there in little indian creek then little Indian little indian creek might be just as likely to flood yeah Because it gets backed up, it gets stopped. It can't yeah. flow and beat the current. One so, thing,
1: and this might seem like very uh, dumb question, but you know, I, for the listeners out there that may not know, I I, I know, and you know, most of our listeners probably do, but but can you define what is Big Indian and Little Indian for people that may not know, real
3: quick? Okay. Uh, if you look at the ma- look at a map of Harrison County, and you'll see the creeks, and Big Indian Creek is the creek that you cross. When you come in from the north side of town,
1: mm-hmm. from El Napolito then, down the hill.
3: Yeah, and when you come in from the west side of town. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's that's Big Indian Creek. Mm-hmm. Little Indian Creek is the creek that you cross when you come in from the um, south side of town, mm-hmm. and it's also the creek when you're playing golf at the country club that you have to wade into to get your ball. Gotcha. Because yeah. you've hit it in the water. Thank you. And, and and when you get as far east as Lanesville. Little Indian Creek, you know, you can almost jump across it. <laughs> Go yeah. up there sometime. Go up to Lanesville and and find the spot. <laughs> find the spot where you can re- literally jump across Little Indian Creek. Right. Okay. And
1: so for people who don't know, they converge right by, you know, at basically you know what do we call that area oh the
3: sewer plant the sewer plant yeah, uh, yeah.
1: that's the best way to explain it yeah. where the you, water treatment plant is by the trail when you
3: when you yeah. walk when you walk down the uh, trail from um, over on the uh, west side of the creek mm-hmm. at the west bridge you walk the trail you quickly come to the junction or go over to the fairgrounds and go all the way back yeah. go back behind the 4H barns yes. and just keep walking as far as you can and Good. you will see where the two creeks come together
1: Okay, good. Thank you for for explaining that. I just wanted people to have that visual.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's very, very important. Actually, Mm -hmm. the view from the fairgrounds is probably Mm -hmm. a better view in terms of of why we have floods. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I'm going to get to that. Okay. Now It would be impossible to try to tell the story today. We don't have enough time, and I don't have enough information. My suspicion is, is that if you try to tell the story of flooding in Corridon in the 19th century there was a flood all the time
2: mm-hmm. and
3: th- it wasn't it wasn't even something that people noticed and um and and uh, so i'm gonna start with the major events in the in the 20th century which led up to the the big kahuna the mm-hmm. 1959 january 21st 1959 in Corridon was the big flood that eventually resulted in what we have today. Right. Let me just say that if you haven't noticed this already, when you walk those trails and you drive across the bridges and you look down,
1: mm-hmm. you're not
3: looking down at creeks anymore. You're looking down at drainage ditches. Yeah. These, the, after the 59 flood, the creeks through Corridon were reconstructed. Mm-hmm. Massive, massive project. And they were turned into uniform width and banks of a mm-hmm. specific engineering status that created a water flow through town much different than when they were creeks.
1: And I bet you not many people know that.
3: Well, just look at it.
1: Yeah, I would assume not many people know that.
3: And we're going we're gonna to talk about what it was mm-hmm. like before that happened. Go, yeah. I mean, if, if you don't even know what a creek looks like, you can-, you can I don't, I've
1: never seen one. You can,
3: you can get a feel for what a creek actually looks like by driving either- Through Out, no, north, <laughs> out. Um, if you go out, uh, you know where the, what I call Grange Hall Road is? Yeah. Go, go out that way and just keep driving north and get up to the upper levels of Big Indian Creek. Mm-hmm. and you. and and go out east of town up toward lanesville and 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 look over and see what you can see
1: what it actually would have looked like
3: or better yet uh go down to the western part of the county and uh drive anywhere you can find it and go look at what blue river looks like today Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah that's a creek okay cool that's a creek that
3: has not been widened
1: that's a great. Has,
3: has not been turned into a drainage ditch.
1: Okay. Okay.
3: okay. All right. What we have in, in Corden today are drainage ditches. Okay. Okay, cool. Now, um, let's start with the, um, uh, the 1937 flood.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the one that I, when I was doing my very rudimentary research that I focused on a little bit, looking at pictures of this one, mainly.
3: Well, the 1937 flood is widely viewed in American history as being the most catastrophic flood event in American history. Mm -hmm. It affected the entire central United States, all of the Ohio River Basin, all of the Mississippi Basin. It resulted in decades of major um, reconstruction work along both of those rivers. It basically gave purpose and life To a uh, money-devouring machine, which is called the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, (laughs) and um, and dams were built, and Mm -hmm. locks were built, and and levees were built everywhere. Um, You don't have to go very far in Louisville to see levees. Yeah, Uh, I um, didn't. I
1: don't know if you were going to get into this, but like, what happened to lead to that flood? Just a lot of rain quickly catastrophic rainfall
3: yeah over, over many periods of time far more than um than the river basins could handle yeah just a lot of rain and and and, and 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 you know we focus on the ohio and mississippi but everywhere along both of those rivers in 1937 all the little towns like corydon thousands of little towns like that were inundated all over the uh, my grandfather on my mother's side was a store manager for Montgomery Ward and company in Portsmouth, Ohio. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we have pictures of my grandfather uh, going into his store from a boat where he was crawling in the second story window oh my of, God. His, of his ward store in downtown. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, now one item, one way to just think we're not going to try to cover the, the, the 37 flood Uh, in in any kind of detail today but if you go to um uh stevenson's general store in leavenworth Mm -hmm. they they will sell you a fascinating video program of the history of the 1937 flood because why why do they care because leavenworth was one, one example of many yeah it was probably wiped out it was It sat right down on the Ohio River. Yeah. And the old town is still there if you want to drive down there and see it. Yeah. And it was absolutely wiped out by the 37 flood and totally Mm -hmm. rebuilt up on the hill. Right. Up above the overlook of the river Mm -hmm. rather than right down on the river. So go to Stevenson's General Store and buy that video and learn all about the 37 Okay, Homework. Um, And by the way, little side note here mm-hmm. uh, as people moved west um they had trouble coming up with new names so um uh there's a lovely little river town in kansas that is home to uh, a whole bunch of prisons oh. uh state and federal prisons and the name of the town is leavenworth
1: okay okay
3: Sounds like um, a lovely
1: place.
3: It is. It is. And, and the Missouri River doesn't flood nearly as much as the Ohio Perfect. River. Okay. Now, that was 1937. So we had uh, 16 Southern Indiana counties in the 1937 flood were under military control for many mm-hmm. days. The loss of yeah. civil authority was so devastating. People all over Harrison County were, there was so much rainfall and so much flooding and I think there were only two people that died in, Mm. in, um, in, in Harrison County. Uh, but the, the, uh, January precipitation in 1937 in Harrison County was double or was half of the entire total precipitation for the previous year. So
1: both the 37 and the 59 flood were in
3: January. Um, now we're getting to an interesting okay. reason about why it floods. Yes. Okay, good point. Excellent point. Okay, uh, great. In the next the next sort of flood event that happened in Corridon that is that is noteworthy and is is covered. And by the way, is it appropriate to stop here and just sure. say that the best source of information about local flooding is mm-hmm. Fred Griffin's book, yes. uh, History of Corydon in Harrison County, Indiana, Volume 1.
1: Mm-hmm. and
3: i believe you're going to put some links
1: i'll put links on how again. to i think it's available right. online but if it's not we will scan the pages it's we went in and certainly we'll get in the
3: library get, mm-hmm. get over there and look at it fascinating newspaper stories about these floods really pictures, amazing
1: pictures yeah the photos amazing are incredible pictures of
3: floods mm-hmm. people people in boats yeah. at the corner where frederick's restaurant is today okay mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so so, so be sure and, 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 and check that out. Now, in March of 1943 was the next noteworthy flood event in Corydon, and it was more of a sudden flash flood, huge thunderstorm in the Big Indian Creek watershed area, like you say, up around Georgetown, mm-hmm. and Keller Manufacturing Company was inundated. Oh, yeah. Uh, the vacant area along Big Indian Creek Uh, that you see when you come down the North Hill, all that bottom land over there behind Mm -hmm. the houses on Capitol Avenue, that was the Keller Manufacturing Company. It was the biggest business in Corridon. It was a huge industrial thing, and they're Mm -hmm. sitting right there on the river, so of course they're going to get inundated by a flood. Yeah,
1: that seems like a, again, we're not going to get into this, but it just seems like a bad idea.
3: Well, uh, yeah, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. When they when they built their second factory, they built it up at New Salisbury. Yeah, that seems like ground. that would be a better. Okay. 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 So what happened after the 43 flood event? Well, people began to realize that this is a
1: problem.
3: The, this is a problem. And one of the reasons why we have a problem is is this rainfall that we get here in in Indiana creates lots and lots of opportunity for things to grow, including trees. Mm -hmm. Trees grow along the river because there's a constant source of water. Trees get really big along the river because there's a constant source of water. Trees grow to maturity and then fall down and die and fall (laughs) into the river. And then a flood comes along and flushes a whole bunch of this stuff down the river till it gets to a point say a turn in the river or something Mm -hmm. where it can't flush anymore and it creates a nice huge dam and then we have flooding okay so in 1943 uh a lot of folks around corden said well you know what we ought to do is get a whole bunch of people and put them to work cleaning all this junk out of the river (laughs) or out of the creek okay yeah so the water would flow smoother
2: okay and
3: um This is a very common uh, occurrence. Sometimes it's done with heavy equipment. Uh, Sometimes it's done with dynamite. Uh, Sometimes it's done, I mean, you see this today. Mm -hmm. Next time it floods, come down the North Bridge and and look at how much junk accumulates on the railroad bridge. Mm -hmm. It hits the railroad bridge and stops, and pretty soon you've got a dam there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so 43, big project to clean the creek out. Gotta gotta get the debris out of the creek. Okay. Um April 1948. Same thing happens again. Big flash flood. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Everybody says, oh my, let's clean the creek out again, you know? Yeah. Um, this time the Corden Chamber of Commerce went around town raising money at donate to the to the fund to mm-hmm. to clean the the junk out of the creek, so the water will flow better. Okay. Okay. Um, and um, in May of 1950 was another famous flood event. Good Lord. Primarily because <laughs> of the speed. Now this was this was rain in Lanesville.
1: Ah, on uh, Little Indian.
3: Yeah, on Little Indian. Hmm. Big time.
1: Yeah. Really fast. So Little Indian would have flooded like Chestnut
3: Street. Uh well. The most notable situation that happened this happened so fast now Okay. keep in mind may of 1950 the high school is still on east chestnut street mm-hmm. okay yeah everybody know where that building is yep it's, it's where the
1: up. senior lofts yeah
3: senior loft apartments. now that's the Corden high school and across the street and across the creek is rice island yes and that's the school athletic field okay and this flood that happened in may of 1950 was notable but for the fact that there were school employees working over on rice island oh no who Were stranded oh no this thing happened so fast yeah i mean this is something yeah. right out of the movies yeah <laughs> you know i mean they're over there and then all then of they the can't side, get back they can't get off the island and oh, they're God. worried they're legitimately worried about whether or not they're going to die yeah um so 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 this but water did as you say that water did get up from there up into chestnut street Mm -hmm. and primarily on the south side of chestnut street Mm -hmm. when you're going down chestnut street notice just how much lower the south side of the street is from the north side which is
1: like the side um the alibis on or or Allstotts or Lisa. Yeah, that's you know? not
3: Chestnut Street. That's Water Street. But oh,
1: dang. Chestnut yes. Street no, never be, mind. Butts. Yeah. The butts. Chestnut side. Street, yeah. 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 Chestnut Street
3: would be but okay. Okay. Yes. think okay. about think about uh that's the, the south that,
1: side of Chestnut.
3: Right. Think yeah. about how there could be water in Butts store and there would not be water um in the 18th Gotcha. Yes,
1: gotcha. Because it's
3: yeah. a little higher. Okay. okay? Okay. It doesn't
1: seem like that when I look when I visualize it in my now, mind, but I believe you, of course.
3: Water, water has a way of creating a level surface, and then you get, you know, yeah. you, you you get the truth. Mm-hmm. Okay, now um, the the 1950 uh, the 1950s were somewhat normal for a while until, mm-hmm. as I say, January 21st, 1959, the big the big mm-hmm.
2: flood, mm-hmm. a huge mm-hmm.
3: flood in Corridon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you asked earlier why does this stuff happen in january yes because the ground is frozen Ah. and it rains a lot mm-hmm. and it runs off
1: yeah doesn't... it
3: doesn't soak in
1: yes the yes. frozen
3: fields the farmland the frozen land is just mm-hmm. like raining onto pavement gotcha and the water runs off that makes and- sense i believe the numbers were pretty spotty around uh you're going to put another link on the Mm -hmm. site to a corps of engineers report or u.s geological survey report on the 59 flood events in indiana Mm -hmm. there were two flood events in indiana in in 59 one in the southern part of the state which which was us in january and Mm -hmm. then a few weeks later there was another even more catastrophic flood event in north central indiana which involved the headwaters of the Wabash River, and um, but same thing, yeah. a lot of a lot of rainfall running off fields that were frozen.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, um, Fred's book, the Griffin book, has lots of wonderful pictures of the extent of the flooding in downtown Corridon mm-hmm. in '59. We just talked about the difference between Butts in 1816.
1: Well, and would this be the flood? So when I was a kid, we would go to the library. The Harrison County Library, which was in what is now the Fred Griffin, you know, historical arc, you know, genealogical library, Carnegie Library. And if you went down the stairs to the children's section, there was a like a mark on the wall that was like the water where the water was.
3: It could have been. Would that have been been the 59 59.
1: flood? And I remember when I was a kid, I always liked looking at that.
3: Okay. Um, Okay. Another, another uh way to think about this is you know the building at the end of chestnut street uh right across from zimmerman's art glass mm-hmm. been a, it was a health food store most yeah. recently I, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is it's chestnut okay. street
1: market now the wine shop
3: yeah yeah okay mm-hmm. in 1959 that was the ford dealership okay okay mm-hmm. the water in that building is two feet deep hmm in that building.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Across the
3: street, it's three feet deep in the buildings.
1: Yeah. Okay.
3: Okay. Yeah. That's what we're talking about in 59. Mm-hmm. And there are um, more than a few uh, pictures of what was going on during the flooding in downtown Corridon. There was one 10 um, year old boy who decided that it would be a great idea. Oh, no. Take his canoe and paddle all around corydon was, and down the was street. this
1: you who was this uh,
3: well uh we don't have there's yeah <laughs> um, yes and and it was great fun yes uh, and 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 i wasn't the only one uh-huh. um, but, uh, but most of the most of the people who were doing this were were uh, perhaps a little older and more mature <laughs> and we're not we're not subject to these sanctions Gotcha. Of his mother when he when she found gotcha. out that he was doing uh-huh.
2: okay. it but
3: it was it was fascinating to worth to, it yeah absolutely mm-hmm. worth it simon mm-hmm. will do the same thing someday he'll be, <laughs> he'll be out <clears throat> doing all kinds of weird things which but, but you know yeah. i'm
1: assuming we'll be flooding again well in the that's, future that's
3: an interesting point mm-hmm. because after 59 we uh, there was the, the 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 city was at a point where okay
1: we need to do something here we need like to do something. this yeah and
3: the united states army corps of engineers came in and and developed a plan which was implemented and it was that we would we would take these two trip tree uh, creeks and we would uh basically changed them into drainage ditches now part of the problem in 59 was not just the fact that they were meandering creeks with lots of debris in the creeks which slowed the water down and it wasn't able to flow out to the ohio as fast as it might have part of the problem in 59 was that the ohio was full at the same time Mm. so even if they weren't clogged with debris and water was flowing it wouldn't have flown it wouldn't have flowed downstream very fast right and and so that's kind of part of the perfect storm as far as where do you get the rainfall how much does it happen how fast can it flow and how much is already in the ohio river that that Mm -hmm. keeps it from from backing up into the you know ohio okay this project was uh, designed to, to do all this creek widening that you see today. And um, the specifications involved 3.3 uh, miles of Big Indian Creek and 1.1 miles of Little Indian Creek extending from the, the low point was to be about two and a half miles below the juncture of the creeks. Mm-hmm. and um, And Big Indian was... Uh, the design was a big Indian was going to be a ditch, a drainage ditch, it was 130 feet wide, and um, little Indian was going to be a ditch of 100 feet wide. Mm. And the, the channel with the round Rice Island was to be 50 feet on the north side and 20 feet on the south side. Mm. And so that's basically what you see today. Yeah. Um, work on this project began on September 9th, 1962, and was completed. Uh, on October 4th, 1963. I mean, how
1: do you even do that?
3: Well, (laughs) uh, uh, that's interesting because that 10-year-old who was paddling around during the Mm -hmm. flood is now 13 and very fascinated with how in the world are they going to do this? Yeah. So I spent a lot of time watching this Mm -hmm. and it was a very um, uh, steady, there was always at least one large crane mm-hmm. with a bucket, a dirt, earth-moving bucket, mm. uh, extended from the crane, and the crane operator was m- working his way down each side of the creek, pulling it apart, and building the levee. And as soon as he got the next section of levee built, he moved his crane onto it and started in on the next section. Oh, my and God. So- He, he, big earth moving crane thing with a drag bucket. Gotcha. Okay. And, and uh, both sides of the Creek are, are this way. Mm -hmm. Obviously um, the bridges that are in place today, except for the North bridge, they, they worked around the North bridge, but Mm -hmm. the West bridge and the South bridge that are in place today in Corridon have been built since this project was right. Right. So the design of those bridges accommodated the the way the creek or the way the drainage ditches were at that time yeah okay now when you when you walk these trails along the creek Mm -hmm. um, remember that this channel widening project occurred long before there was any thought especially south downstream from town where you're walking the trails that are that are essentially Mm -hmm. part of the hazewood nature reserve N- nobody imagined that that was going to be anything other than a farm. Right. That was long before, was before that was uh, made into Hayeswood nature reserve. And it was before the new highway around the West side of town was built. Yes. So it is coincidental. Yeah. At the design of the new highway crosses Indian Creek mm-hmm. out there, West of town at almost precisely the point at which the creek widening project ended Mm -hmm. that's the that's the whatever it was so the bridge the
1: 135 bridge is basically where it ends
3: yes yes okay yeah yeah. and 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 when you get when you go into that parking lot down there at the base of that underneath that bridge Mm -hmm. you, you can almost see the fact that okay from here on it looks like a creek Right. Instead and by, it. by
1: looks like a creek, you mean I'm assuming you mean wider and not as like steep it's
3: a side. Meandering.
1: Yes. It, it not doesn't, straight.
3: It's not uniform. It's not right. straight. Yeah. It, it water doesn't flow straight. Water flows to the next lowest point. Gotcha. You know? yeah. And it can it can go all over the place. And yeah. um to a large extent, the levees have been kept cre- free from vegetation. Mm-hmm. Whereas a creek is, is completely lined with trees.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
3: Okay. So um, now the other thing that I would, I would draw your attention to um, in addition to the, the idea that it's totally a coincidence that these levees have have became walking paths. Um, When you're in town uh, you'll notice that uh, the fairgrounds area of little Indian Creek um, g- go over there and, and look around and, and 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 be when you walk around the north side there and you walk past the creek notice what you're seeing mm-hmm. <clears throat> you're seeing a construction project which took away a big chunk of land from the fairgrounds gotcha and the track the harness racing track had to be reconstructed and so the track up there by that, by the creek is much more narrow than it is other places around the really track. Not only yeah. did it make for a narrower track up there, but it's also shorter by about 20 yards. Mm. So it's not a half mile track anymore. It hasn't okay.
1: been. Yeah.
3: And so there's a there's a start, there's a pole in front of the grandstand for the start of a mile race. There's a pole for the half a mile, mm. and there's a third pole for the finish.
1: Ah, gotcha. Okay? Yeah,
3: it's not it's not kosher anymore. Hmm. Now, the one thing I don't know and I don't remember uh, today, we think of that road that goes around between the track and the mm-hmm. creek, yeah, as being sort of common. I mean, that's how you get to the other side of the fairgrounds. I'm not even sure that road was there. That's so, what I was
1: going to ask you. Yeah.
3: the creek widening project, I'm sure there was a whole lot of trees
1: mm-hmm.
3: uh, because that was a great spot mm-hmm. uh, for little boys who <laughs> w- wanted to learn how to sane minnows mm. in the creek and people yeah. still sane minnows over there. It's a great spot for minnows. Even though they destroyed the creek, they didn't, <laughs> the natural habitat for minnows is still there. Yeah. And also it was a great place to learn how to smoke cigarettes. Oh, nice. No one, no one could see you.
1: Yes, okay. you were hidden. That's
3: all gone now.
1: Yeah, it's all gone. Exactly. Even the cigarettes are gone. <laughs> like, you can't well, get even,
3: them. I mean, from your house, you can probably see Simon over there. Oh, yeah. And if he yeah. tried to learn how to smoke a cigarette over there, <laughs> he, he couldn't get away with it. <laughs> no. okay. Now, what happens today since 59? What kind of floods do we have in Corey to today?
1: I, okay. I've had, I remember when I was a kid, we had a decent flooding. I mean, it well, wasn't, I don't think it would be considered a flood, but it was pretty intense in the mid nineties at some okay. point. Okay.
3: One of the first things, if, if you're looking, if you're sitting around today wondering, I wonder if this thunderstorm is going to cause a flood in Corridor. Okay. Notice, first of all, what's the level of the Ohio river? Mm-hmm. Is there plenty of, plenty of flow, plenty of room for the water to get out of here and get, when it gets down to the river or when it gets to the river, is it going to basically stop because if mm-hmm. rivers full? Okay. Second thing, where is the concentration of precipitation? And we've already talked about that. Today is a perfect example where there was concentration mm-hmm. of precipitation precipitation in the uh, Big Indian Basin up around Georgetown, and not so much in Lanesville.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
3: Now, um, when there's when there's a big rainstorm. And particularly when a lot of it, most of it, is around Georgetown. The flow down the Big Indian Creek, there may be significant flow down Little Indian Creek, too. Mm -hmm. But the flow down Big Indian Creek overpowers the flow in Little Indian Creek. So if you go across the North Bridge or the West Bridge, Big Indian is just raging. I mean, yeah. the water is pouring down there. Mm-hmm. And if you go across the South Bridge, it's the water's way up. It's almost yeah. up to the banks, but it's stopped.
1: Yes. That's it's yeah, not, that's true.
3: It's not flowing. That's true. Yeah. Because it can't get out. The big creek is, mm-hmm. is is so much bigger. Yeah. And so much more powerful that it stops the water. Where does it go? Into the town. <laughs> no. The first place, the lowest place, water seeks the lowest place. And the first lowest place that it finds is that little spring that comes out of the fairgrounds.
1: Yes. Okay.
3: And it backs up that spring and goes up into the fairgrounds mm -hmm. and spills out and floods around the fairgrounds. And eventually, if it gets high enough, the lowest spot is a gate over north of the grandstand where you go across the track and that's the lowest spot and so it'll once it spills through there then in 10 minutes the entire 10 acres of the infield is full of water well so
1: so when i said there was an incident in the mid-90s it's that's because i live across the street from the fairgrounds yeah or i did when i was a kid and and so i remember we looked out the, the upstairs windows and it the whole fairgrounds was just a lake
3: Right. And that's yeah. because the yeah. water finally got up to the point where it hit that lowest spot over there underneath mm-hmm. that gate. And once it once it crests over that low spot, the th- there's enough water backed up that mm-hmm. it'll fill that up and create a it's not deep, it's you know a couple feet yeah. away. Okay. Now once it gets to that level, then you've got levels in the creek sufficient to start spilling out other places along uh the south side accord and 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 it'll back up chest uh capital avenue uh all stops where all <clears throat> where all <Allstotts laughs> hardware store was you'll get you'll get water up in there and but but today the idea of water being uh, backed up uh all the way into businesses on chestnut street would be extremely rare. Yeah. That that would be a in order for that to happen today. It's got to be a giant flood. It has got to be of- a giant catastrophe. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. And and so, you know, there's so much talk about the, what's in the floodplain, like, um, you know, when they were redoing Rice Island and, and that kind of thing about what's in the floodplain and what that means. And so, you know, given all of this, they still have to be considered vulnerable just because of their proximity to the creek, even though what you, you know, it, it would take something catastrophic to flood.
3: Yeah, I um, don't know what I don't know what uh, technical uh, analysis is it's applied. like what goes into Seems determining like,
1: the floodplain is I guess exactly. a better way to what, say what, it. Yeah. Uh,
3: what what is the, the the flood insurance people, what what are they
2: mm-hmm.
3: they've got to they've got to understand that that 59 and that project, which was completed in 62, marks a demarcation point. Mm-hmm. That that flooding in Corydon before then. And flooding and Corden after then are two different things mm-hmm. and yeah. and uh flooding and cordon before then was extremely common
2: mm-hmm.
3: and any little thing would set it off and and then two days after it was over somebody would say okay we got to clean the creeks out again
2: mm-hmm.
3: okay yeah and now um yes occasionally the creeks need to be cleaned out
2: mm-hmm. occasionally
3: um debris accumulates which causes problems but the engineering on those ditches, on the 100, 130 feet wide with with uh, levees on each side, uh, the engineering on that was designed to accommodate a big amount of yeah. water.
1: Interesting. And,
3: and and far more water than ever flowed down those creeks before.
1: Mm-hmm. And so now
3: the water flows right on past passcourt and doesn't fill up the downtown like it yeah. used to.
1: And so going forward, like if you look, to the future and climate change and like how we're situated and and that kind of thing. I I like to, to do that. And I've talked about it on the show before, but there's a really, really cool, um, big like kind of research package that ProPublica put out where you can put in your County and it predicts, you know, your climate going forward 20 from the year 2040 to 2060. And, um, it doesn't, you know, I've, here, if you put it in Harrison County, um, it, it it doesn't seem to change a whole lot as far as precipitation goes. So I'm not sure this is something that we will have to, to worry about in the future or not, but it seems like we might be okay.
3: Well, the, what I described as as the, the scenario for uh, major flooding in Corridon, and, and what you described as looking out your, your windows and seeing mm-hmm. the fairgrounds become a lake. The last time that actually happened was in May of
2: 2017,
3: mm-hmm. and um, and it was a very inconvenient situation for a couple of days. Yeah, but um, but it was absolutely nothing like right 1959. Right, right. I mean, not even no. Yeah. I no. mean, yeah. it was not it was not like that at all. Right, right, and and um, uh, as far as increases in I mean, my own personal opinion is, and I'm not a scientist, but, but climate change increases in or decreases in precipitation in this area of the country
1: Mm -hmm.
3: are more likely to affect native plant species
1: Mm
3: -hmm. uh, adversely.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
3: We already see, and, and people who know a lot more about this than I can, than I do, can already tell you, we talked about bald eagles being here when they weren't years ago.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. Uh, plant species that, that are not native to this area that thrive in rainfall situations that are significantly different than, right. than they should be, than they were, you know, mm-hmm. centuries ago, uh, yeah. that's, that's more likely to be a problem.
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't yeah. know how
3: much, you know, you might, that might be an interesting topic for a, yeah. for a podcast is to get some kind of a Purdue, uh, mm-hmm. uh, specialist uh, mm-hmm. that. And, I they I can talk about what's going to happen mm-hmm. for the next decades in southern Indiana
1: yeah it's interesting I'll put a link walls. yeah I'll put a link to this thing it's it's really interesting and it seems to me that according to this piece that the the main threat for us is going to be an increase in what they call well, wet bulb temperatures where it's just simply too humid that your body can't cool itself you know it's so wet um but you know we're looking at, having that a certain increase in our days of the year that are like that, that will be similar to like the city of new Orleans is now it's nothing, you know, out of our imagination or anything like that, but.
3: Well, it is, if you don't want to live in New Orleans. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like
1: if you're, yeah, if you're, if you don't live in new Orleans for a reason, you might be in trouble, but. Yeah. um, But but the
3: farmer, the farmer in me says that invasive plant species that are not native mm -hmm. and that are those things. I mean, the 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 only remaining tall grass prairie, prairie in North America, in the center part of the United States, is being completely destroyed today mm-hmm. by an invasive plant species, which is still being purposefully planted by some government jurisdictions because it is so effective at holding and preventing erosion on mm-hmm. the banks. Nothing can stop this. Uh and it is uh, the the tall grass prairie is a very fragile environment anyway.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: and you know, uh without uh the, the only control mechanism for the tall grass prairie has always been for centuries, thousands of years, has been fire. And that keeps the woody plants out and allows the grasses to continue to grow. Mm-hmm. And and now fire, this stuff, this it's called Ceriza lespediza. And 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 fire just makes it uh, spread quicker. Mm. Mm. So wow, you know yeah, your I'll grandchildren, just... your grandchildren are going to have to look at pictures of what native tall grass prairie looked like in North America.
1: Okay, <laughs> well, you know, I just can't thank you enough for coming on. I find well, this very been interesting. Been yep, um, and you know, and now I
3: got to go out and mow my yard because it has rained so much in the last. Oh, second.
1: Andrew got the mowing done right before we started. He got it in um but you know so i've been wanting to do this episode for a while but you know be thinking about what you want to do next because now that we've got this one done and we've got the fair done i feel like the sky's the limit
3: okay well i mean why don't you wait why don't you wait and see and maybe you'll get some good suggestions
1: i think we uh, yeah we might we might yeah
3: because because seriously this isn't hard and fred griffin (laughs) has done all the work
1: yeah it's it's great so, and people we, love these episodes i mean I, could, they tell me all the time
3: have, we could just have a podcast every several months mm-hmm. focusing on what fred did about this particular subject yep, no, yep. he's got a whole book on historic houses in Corydon.
1: i know i have that book
3: yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah Yep. okay
1: all right well thank you so much jim
3: thank you graylin okay bye bye
1: Okay. We are back with our recommendations and I am ready for this. This is it. This is, I'm so excited about our discussion. Uh, You do you want to do, I'll do mine first. because It's it's a little bit quicker. Um, And I've talked about it before on the show. It actually was one of my uh, like quarterly things with Elmer and mom, but I'm just going to throw out another recommendation for the fish sandwich at Polly's freeze. Mm. And I brought this up specifically because you don't like this sandwich.
0: I won't say I don't like it, but like in the world of foods, it really just falls in my that's fine category. Okay. Maybe a little below. So I do think it's interesting that you love this sandwich. I really love it. And by the way, I love Polly's Freeze. This is yeah. no way a dig on Polly's yeah. freeze and the awesomeness. It's just not your favorite menu item. It's just yeah. not my favorite menu item. it It has a style, and maybe this is actually what you like about it. Mm-hmm. I find it a little overcooked. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those mm-hmm. fish sandwiches that comes. It's a little bit on the darker shade of brown mm-hmm. which kind of bugs yeah. me. yep. Um,
1: I, it's see, that's just what, not my thing. That's what I like about it. It is, and and, you know, this is for Kayla right now, your wife. It is yeah. so crispy. It is so okay. crispy.
0: That's because and- it's burnt.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like that about it. And now this is not gonna help my case at all, but I do bring a little tiny Tupperware container of salt with me to Paul's hey, so fries. That's a
3: problem.
0: <laughs> if because- you have to take salt to a restaurant to put on their food, yeah, that's worth a couple notches down on the. Uh,
1: but I, I think scale. it may. But when I add that salt from my purse to the food, because I feel like normally I would never do that at a restaurant. That's incredibly right. rude. I would never do that. Let me yeah, just put that polys out there. Is but Polly's is vibe. like you're outside. Like you know, there. It's not like I'm at a table with someone serving. Yeah. Know, a server. So I feel like it's okay. Um, but mm. th- I do think that, you know, you just, you just need a little extra salt on there and it's absolutely perfect. It's the, the tomato and the lettuce is so good. Okay. It's a yeah. good portion. It's affordable i absolutely love their fish sandwich i think it's freshly fried every time like it always just is piping okay. hot and i went there yesterday and it knocked it out of the park okay, i mean it was so incredible.
0: i need to maybe give it another
1: try no i mean i think it, you're right i think it's a style it's, thing either style you're on thing. board for this really really like gall like dark brown crispiness or you're not
0: yeah well you know i go to mcdonald's and get filet of fish sandwiches love them. so like you know, maybe I'm just really skewed on this.
1: Maybe, maybe. Okay. Yeah. But great, so, great
0: recommendation.
1: Yeah, so that's mine.
0: Okay. Well, this has been building, when it comes to my recommendation, you know, this has been 12 years and 12 years, 12 months Yeah. in the making. And so I'm diving into- to seltzer. Oh, Lord. Water, seltzers. Okay. okay. And I'm not talking about hard seltzers. Hell like no. the White Claw. Oh, God. All that stuff that's filling up the stores.
1: Very anti-hard yeah. seltzer around yeah, I, here. I, I mean, you know, I'm not knocking it if you like it. If you out there like it, great. It's not for me.
0: I've really gotten on the flavored seltzer water bandwagon. I mm-hmm. recommend it.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know,
0: LaCroix has been around as a hipster kind yeah. of. I used to drink LaCroix
1: around the clock like 10 years ago. And I'll tell
0: you, you know, about three years ago, four years ago, I kind of made fun of LaCroix. I was like, what the heck? I don't Mm -hmm. get this. Mm -hmm. But uh, last year I kind of dabbled in white claws and I liked the experience, but I just found that the alcohol of it was just kind of overwhelming. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so then this year, you know, I, I, you know, and I don't want to go down this road, but you know, I, I drink some Miller Lite, and I felt mm-hmm. like I was drinking a few too many cans. Yeah. You know, health wise, <laughs> yeah. weight wise. Yeah. And so I needed something to kind of replace that. It and scratches
1: I just, that itch. I will it say. It scratches that itch mm-hmm. of an
0: ice cold can of carbonated beverage when you're outside on yeah. a Saturday. It does. But it's kind of, I so I just recommend to anybody to try them and give them a chance because when you first taste them, you're like. Oh, I get all these jokes about the flavor and there's no flavor, Mm -hmm. but they kind of grow on you. They do. Um, But they are overwhelming. So, you know, as part of my recommendation, I do think there's a ranking. Um,
1: Yeah. And I have my ranking as well. And I'll just say, uh, yeah. So I started drinking it a long, long time ago and was like heavy into LaCroix only for a long time and then fell off and didn't drink it at all because I just I just went too hard on it for a long time. And so I had a break. And then now your resurgence into seltzers has kind of gotten me back into it. I
0: mean, yeah, we're, we're so
1: many new brands, now, so
0: many new brands. And And so
1: we are going to do a ranking of brands real quick.
0: Um, So I will say, you know, to anybody listening, you know, go in your local JC store Mm -hmm. or Walmart and you will find that this stuff is taking over the aisles. Oh yeah. There's so much of it because Mm -hmm. it's, well, it's pure profit. Like oh, you're selling I mean, water.
1: It's a complete scam. Yeah. But
0: So there's a lot of these brands. So, you know, I've kind of ranked them. We've tried okay. them all. They're yeah. filling up our fridge and I mm-hmm. uh, would love feedback from our listeners and friends. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but number five, well, actually number six, just a little mention. Oh, a little extra. Accidentally, yeah, we accidentally bought a box of Walmart brand seltzer. That was the sweetened. With this the is fake not, sweetener. yeah, this
1: was not and okay. Literally
0: almost passed out. Yeah. I drank like
1: it. spit take um, immediately. Yeah. 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 So, that was not okay. So this is now, not what
0: we're, we're not talking about that. Just to now, clarify, Andrew, we're talking about Andrew the,
1: really liked that stuff.
0: Well, I kind of yeah. got hooked on them yeah. because I kept drinking them anyway. <laughs> but anyway, we're, we're really talking about the non-sweetened, yeah, you know, all zero water. on the nutrition facts, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. okay. Number okay. five Kroger brand Kroger, Kroger brand. Store brand, you know, uh, it's there. It's not that much cheaper than the, than the other main brands. Mm-hmm. And it's still pretty good. But It's I do a weekday find it a little seltzer. Bland.
1: It's a weekday seltzer. It's like, the seltzer
0: that I drink on a Tuesday when I'm going into, and you've already you know, had three
1: other ones. I've already had like,
0: three. I just yeah. want this while I'm on a zoom call to drink. This yeah. is not a luxury product. Yeah. But it's and
1: there. I, I, I have that is my fourth. I don't have five because I have never tried polar.
0: Okay. So okay. I
1: have Polar as kind of like a fifth because I've never tried it.
0: Okay. Yeah. We'll talk but that, about that. Yeah.
1: Kroger is my number four. Okay. Kroger is yeah. your number four. Yeah.
0: Um, number four on my list of five, and this might be controversial. Is LaCroix.
1: Yeah. I put it forth.
0: You know, I know that they were kind of the- uh, How
1: the mighty have fallen.
0: Yeah. How the mighty (laughs) have fallen. They're kind of like the blackberry of seltzers. Mm -hmm. Like they were big at first, but honestly, I just don't think the flavor's there.
1: It's not. It's very, the flavor is very synthetic. It's very just, synthetic compared yeah. to the new brands. It's
0: weak. And, you know, as you get into seltzer, it's kind of like fine wine, mm-hmm. you know, Tasting they are nuts. all weak. None of them are no. like heavy flavor.
1: No, but there are a
0: difference. It, yeah. It, it's like wine. And this one's just too.
1: It's an, to me, it's an authenticity of flavor. That's just not there.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's it's your next
1: th- one? Uh, LaCroix. Okay. Yeah. So we're
0: on the same page yeah. with this. Yeah. That's my next all one.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I uh, just, and, and you know, I, I, the one flavor I will take and I say this is great is key lime
0: yes yeah, yeah. But that's the one I would always buy now we I did yeah. I'm trying a new one right now it's I can't remember what flavor it is it's in the fridge it's pink it's a pink box might be a berry of some kind of Lacroix yeah but I didn't like it it was too it was too weak yeah
1: yeah yeah okay okay
0: let uh, me go next my yeah. number mm-hmm. three is polar. Um, so Polar is the newest brand we tried Yeah, and the only thing I can say about it is I like it. It's bold.
1: Oh, nice. So it's kind okay. of,
0: it's definitely bolder. You, you okay. know, it's still not sweetened, but you definitely take a sip of that. You're like, Whoa, whoa, yeah. this hit me. This hit yeah. me kind of hard. It's kind of <laughs> like your dark coffee version. Gotcha.
1: It's robust. It's,
0: it's robust.
1: Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, my, uh, my number two is bubbly. Okay. Um, I like bubbly to me bubbly is very it's strong but not too strong it's sweet it's got a, a sweet one um I I really like strawberry yeah the bubbly great. strawberry is very good it's, it's very great gay.
0: It's tastes great. They've got mm-hmm. great branding, which is very mm-hmm. important with the seltzers. We're, mm-hmm. we're here to be brought in by the marketing. Yeah they've got a clever way of their name that that is you know like ooh you spell it in a cool it, way. Yeah um, buble. nice yeah, nice box design
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: That's a good yeah. choice. Yeah. My number yep. two is aha. Really? Yeah, I put that as number two. Okay, Um, Um, that's
1: my number one. I have a great. You know, I'm just going to put it out there. That's my number one.
0: Yeah, I think we're going to swap. That's what we're going to see here. We're Mm -hmm. we're swapped on our top two, and it's frankly pretty close. But Aha has a great watermelon.
1: Watermelon lime. Yep. See, that's why this is my reason I like the Aha. Is that it's the combo flavor? It's not just single flavors. It's combo flavors. So you've got blackberry, lemon, pineapple, passion fruit lime watermelon that right. combo of flavor is what puts it over the top yeah for me.
0: The, com- the combo's big and then mm-hmm. so yeah so i think we already know where we're going with this i put bubbly as number one okay um their grape is great mm-hmm.
1: i've never had yep. it
0: yep grape it's grape or really maple. you know what i think it's blackberry
1: oh. i'm thinking
0: i'm thinking the color the color of the box I've, is I've, purple I've, well i put
1: a case of blackberry in the barn fridge about that, blackberry bubbly. Yep, that may yep. be what
0: I'm thinking of, but okay. it's a great flavor. Okay. So, so awesome. that's we want, we dove into a lot there, but that is yeah. my recommendation. Yeah. They, well, obviously th- they're healthy because yeah. they don't have anything in them. Yeah. And uh, it gets I'm the just job kind done. Of obsessed with it them. It
1: gets the job done. Now, Elmer is not here and we are, we're missing his favorite. I mean, uh-huh. I'm putting words in his mouth, but I'm assuming it's his favorite. He's a big Tapo Chico person. Ooh. Which is the mineral carbonated water. Does that count? I don't think it counts. I don't think it counts. It's it's on another level. You know, you're of a certain, you know you're taking it a step o- over yeah, you, you do that yeah,
0: this is so high rolling you know he mm-hmm. this is the kind of thing you know he would bring in a picnic basket you know yeah, with, you know with napkins over mm-hmm, it and mm-hmm. separate cloth, ice.
1: napkins yeah you know. And, you know he
0: would pour that into a glass with ice and yeah. he wouldn't drink that out of the can. yeah yeah
1: um, and we're absolutely. just you know we're not i i like it i appreciate it but it's not yeah. what I do on the daily. Yeah.
0: And I would say, you know, I even researched because we were drinking these like crazy. And mm-hmm. I said, you know, maybe I need to get one of these soda. What's this thing that we oh, soda, stream. soda stream. And after mm-hmm. researching that, no way. No. I'm not going to buy these flavors. I'm not going to have to stay on my counter. And that's, that's actually not what I like about it. That's not I like what we're can. here for. I, want I don't want to work. Can. I don't
1: want to work for seltzer.
0: No, like. I, I just want to kind of like you do with a beer. I just want to get that's a cold can thing. of something, crack it. And you know, yep, be refreshed. Yep. So
1: awesome, wonderful. This was great. Awesome. Okay, um, I'm sad Jim wasn't here for this. I don't know if he's had a seltzer before, so yeah.
0: maybe we can introduce it. Maybe that's mm-hmm. what. Well, we you know you don't have interviews in person most of the time. I but know. That'd be one of those great things. Maybe I could deliver it
1: to his yeah, back you know, door get before you a we seltzer. start. Yeah.
0: Yep. Have our own brand.
1: All right. Well, thanks for joining me.
0: Oh, it was a great, it's great time. Thanks for having me.
1: All right. Bye, everybody.
0: See you guys later.